All right. Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. I want to thank you for being here this morning and joining us. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're in the auditorium with us this morning, would you please stand and worship with us? Here we go.
Good morning, church. Have a seat. Good to be with you. I'm glad that you're all here. Welcome online. I want to welcome our guests in the house and online as well. We're glad you guys are here. Hey, listen, we had something happen this last Wednesday. We had our fall kickoff, and I heard there were nachos. And everybody was pretty excited about nachos. And we had a great kids' ministry launch. And the kids, you know, as they're, as they're always growing, and they're, they, took, they take up the whole bottom of our church. Thanks be to God. Isn't that awesome? I love that. I love that our kids are so important. Our youth are so important. The groups are important. Everything is important because when Christ is at the middle, it has so much importance and value. Amen. And so, listen, we had our kickoff. It was great. The men's met in here. Uh, the men's group met in here. We had a brand new study, a man and his traps, addressing the idols in our lives. And it was uh, it was a it was a two by four right in the face the first week. So, guys, I want to invite you back this Wednesday. Um, and, if, and, and for the first time, I want to invite you to check it out, 630 right in here. And then the ladies down the hall in room 207, uh, Unshakable Hope, uh, building our lives around the promises of God. So ladies, uh, Nancy uh, started that, that class, that group last week. So come on out. And listen, when we talk about C groups, this is a great opportunity to get connected. This is a great opportunity to get connected with a group of people, to grow in your walk with Christ, to be accountable to somebody, to address the things that are going on in your life, and to grow in, in, in our walk with the Lord. So this is also a C group, Wednesday nights. Check it out. Men's and Women's Studies. And then listen, our kids' ministry kicked off. It was a great night. And the youth um, middle school and Route 56 met over in the gym, and they had a great bonfire the first night. So listen, it's hopping, it's happening, because Jesus is the reason why we gather and why we celebrate what we do. So kickoff was great. We can't wait to see you guys back on Wednesday. Invite you for the first time. Come back if you joined us last Wednesday. Fall kickoff was awesome. It was a great, great night. And then ladies, mops, our mothers of preschoolers, they're starting on Tuesday, 915 over in the gym. So ladies, come on out for a warm meal, just a great group of people to connect with Allie and Lindsay, and uh, they're doing a phenomenal job leading this ministry, so we can't wait to see it. Ladies, find your flock. Again, this is another opportunity to get connected. We talk about C groups. These are another opportunity to get connected in a group of people. So ladies, mothers of preschoolers, join us. Join, I, won't, I won't be there. But join us, the ladies, uh, over there in the gym on uh, Tuesday this, this week, and it's going to be a great uh, kickoff for the mops. And then our Step 201 group is starting on September 18th. This is the next step. And anybody who's been through our Next Steps membership class, this is the next step. This is how we discover what it means to be a growing follower of Jesus Christ. And so Pastor Al and I will be leading this class, and it's going to be a four-week class. It will meet during the first hour. On, uh, starting on the 18th on that Sunday, and then it's going to go for four weeks. And so we ask that you just, you know, come come check out the class and sign up. If you go to the, the little blue card in front of you and just say, I want to jump into this class, write your information, we'll get you signed up. Uh, just write, I want to get involved with Step 201, and then we'll get you signed up. You can also sign up on the front page of our website, and you can see a whole bunch more information about the topics and what we'll be talking about. Uh, but this is anybody who's been through Next Steps, this is the next step. This is 201. So check us out on September 18th. And then on the 19th, we're going to be having our C Group launch. This is for... This is just where we're, like you see the rocket ship. We're literally starting all of our groups for the first time. So if you are hosting a group or if you are wanting to be a part of a group, now this is for you. So even if you're like, I haven't even, I don't really know a whole lot about groups, but I want to connect with people, uh, write that on the front page or write that on the information card in front of you and just drop it into the offering boxes you leave or give it to the Welcome Center. And I will call you this week 
and I'll tell you about all the groups that are happening, and we're going to be connecting everybody in age and stage and season of life and where, where you're at and helping connect you with other people to grow in our walk with Christ. Because we all need people. We, everybody needs somebody. We need people. We need people in our lives to help us grow. And so check out our C Group launch on the 19th. And listen, church, God has been good to us, and we're responding back to him as a form of worship and giving what he's giving to us. So, church, thank you for being faithful and giving unto the Lord. And so you can give online through the mail, or you can give on the boxes in the wall um, and as you leave or in the auditorium. But God's been good to us, and uh, we thank God for everything. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the reminder that today is your day. Uh, Lord, this day is, is all because of you. Um, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. Lord, we have so much to thank, be thankful for, so much to rejoice in, so much to, to just put a smile on our face, to, the joy that just, just just gets overwhelming. It's like a bubbling brook in our hearts. It just overwhelms us to the point where, like, even if we don't have a smile on our face, the joy of the Lord in our hearts tells our face, you need to smile. Lord, so thank you for the joy that we have in Christ. And, Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing in this church. And we thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. Uh, Lord, for all the gifts um, from your people as a form of worship, Lord, and giving, uh, Lord, we just give thanks. We thank you for your faithfulness in our lives, Lord. And we're going to respond back to you as a, as in worship, Lord, all that you've given to us. Uh, Lord, we love you so much. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, would you stand as we continue to sing this morning? trouble does he understand sometimes i question is he able can he rescue can he save me again and again but when i look back did he move every mountain did he part every Try to tell me I forgot and I've fallen too far from his hands. But I know what kind of God he is, and I'm trusting in his promises. I believe it, and I'm seeing it.
want to hear voices of angels above singing as one hallelujah holy holy god almighty great i am who is worthy thine beside me god almighty great i am want to be
heads as we pray this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, truer words couldn't be spoken here this morning. Lord, as Christians, we run away, we stray, uh, we ignore you, but yet you still seek after us. Each and every day and each and every moment, your goodness is chasing after us. Lord, we have a, a graceful, a forgiving, and a loving Savior that when we stumble, when we fall, you're there to pick us up. You're there to carry our yokes, and you're there to walk with us. Lord, we thank you for these words this morning. We thank you for these songs of praise. And we just love you and thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Most of us remember that day. It's etched in our minds. A permanent reminder of tragedy. We all watched helplessly as lives were lost, heroes were born, and a nation was forever changed. The loss was unimaginable, the sorrow unbearable. But through that pain, we witnessed the resolve of a nation. We saw chaos give birth to courage, fear transform into fortitude, and destruction give way to determination. In the midst of the brokenness, freedom stood immovable. Today, we remember those we lost. We honor the heroes who saved so many and grieve with the families who have suffered so much. We still remember, and we will never forget. 21 years ago, September 11th, 2001, the day that changed our world, and not just in America, but the entire world. And so I want to uh, just pause today and just thank God for our country. Amen. God has provided. He's been good. He has sustained us 21 years, and we haven't had another tragedy like that. Our attacks are different today, aren't they? They're much different today. Um, But God is still sustaining this country. God bless America. Amen. And so uh, what I'd like to do before I go to prayer, I'd like to, first of all, just honor all the first responders in here. If you are a fireman, police, uh, EMS, any of the first responders, would you please stand? We'd like to just honor you today. I know one. Is there any others? Two. Yes, we thank you guys. We appreciate you guys, man. God bless you. Thank you very much. Both those guys have been lifers at this. I know, Jeff Lawrence, all of your life, you've been Mr. Finleyville, Mr. Finleyville Fire Department. When you think of the fire department, of course, I'm the old regime, so I always think of Jeff as the, as the fire department. But, uh, you know, uh, your, your kids are taking it over now, and that's exciting. But uh, we thank God for, for Jeff. Thank God for you as well and what God's done in your life and how that you have been faithful, John, and just serving. You're over at Broughton Fire Hall, right? Fire Department, Fountain Fire Department. So we thank God. You know, one day I was driving by, and there, you see all these guys. You'll see them out there. They're out there directing traffic at an accident or something. And we thank you for your response. And that was the day we'll never forget the first responders. Amen? Let's go to the Lord in prayer and thank God for our, our church, for our family, for our country. God, we come before you, Lord. <clears throat> we thank you today for this country, Lord. September 11th, the day that we'll never forget. It's been burned into our memories. The Lord, remember... Where we were, remember every moment of that day, 
Remember the fear. Remember the concern. Remember we've never had a feeling like that before in this country. But God, we know that you have been with us. You sustained us. Lord, we lift up to you those families that are still mourning, that are still grieving the loss of their lives, of those family members that were taken in that day. Many of them were the EMS. Many of them were people that were going in that were not running away from trouble, but were running to it to rescue people. So, God, we pray that you put your hand upon these people, Lord, these families today. And we think of our EMS, Lord, in our own church, Lord. I know there are many people, many first responders, many emergency service people in our church, Lord. I lift them up to you today in our service, John and Jeff Lawrence, Lord. For John, John Pastoris and Jeff Lawrence, we thank you for these men uh, Lord, we know there are many other men and women in our church that are serving uh, in the police department, uh, through, through all uh, EMS, through fire departments. God, you're using our people out there, and I pray you'll put your hand of protection on them, Lord. Every time that the fire alarm goes off, we pray for these folks, Lord. God, I think of my own neighbor, Philip Palmer, uh, out there, <clears throat> comes to our church. He's a, he's a firefighter, Lord. He's a first responder. I hear that truck go out in the middle of the night. And, Lord, we pray for them, and we lift them up to you now. God, we thank you for this country, and we thank you for the way that you have sustained us. And as we, on this day, we realize this is a marker for us. For a day with you is as a thousand years, and a thousand years with you is as a day. So this marker for us is something that we remember. And, God, we, we pause and we say thank you for being faithful, for you are God and you are good. In your precious name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> this morning when you came in, you saw an ambulance out there. A few people came in and they asked me, they said, well, who, what's, you know, who's sick? Who's going to the hospital today? And that, there's nobody going to the hospital today. That is the ambulance that we have been able to help raise through our birthday gift to Jesus funds here. Amen? Yeah, you guys are excited about that. Yeah. We have been talking about this for six years. We've made, I think we've contributed about 10 or 12% of that. It was $100,000 to purchase that vehicle and ship it over to Israel. So uh, we, I asked them, uh, when that is done, on the way to port, as it goes out to New York to go onto the ship to get over to Israel, would you please stop it by the church? And so they did. They trucked that in. It wasn't driven in. It was trucked in. Um, it was driven locally. I think there's only 65 miles on that machine out there. Uh, it was made in Elkhart, Indiana. And uh, we are so thankful to be a part of this. Jeff and Arlene Berg have spearheaded this project. As you know, Jeff and Arlene attend the church here. They are part of our, uh, part of our ministry. We have supported them for years. They are with the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. And if you look on the side of the uh, side of the uh, the door there, it says "Provided uh, from the people of uh, Pittsburgh." And it says from the loving kindness of the people in Pittsburgh. And it says from from the uh, Jewish and uh, from the Christian and Jewish communities of Pittsburgh and from the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. And uh, it's really a beautiful statement because we have come together. And while we couldn't afford to do the whole thing ourselves, we have united with, uh, with the Jewish community of Pittsburgh. And we're so thankful that we could do this. Amen? So it's really exciting when you get to see the ambulance. You know, some of you, one guy came in, he had the, the model. It was like a matchbox car. We had given them out when we started to raise those. And uh, he said, yeah, that looks pretty good. <clears throat> and so we were, we were happy to do this. So this morning, we have with us Richard Zellin, who's with uh, Magan David Adam. All right? How do you like that, guys? All right? And, uh, and, and, but they say it so fast, I cannot even keep up with you. But he is, uh, he's with this organization. It is the American Friends of the Red Cross of 
Israel. So would you welcome Richard Zellin as he comes up today and also Jeff and Arlene Berg. Thanks, Pastor Ken. Good morning, everyone. Uh, as Pastor said, I'm Richard Zellin. I'm the regional director for the American Friends of Magain Davida Dumb, which I'll say more about in a moment. I'm truly honored and privileged to be here today. All ambulance dedications that I participate in are special. This one is even more special and unique because the vehicle we are celebrating has been made possible from both the Jewish and Christian communities. But I know many people um, in this sacred congregation have been part of this um, extraordinary effort. Today we dedicate an ambulance, a great modern tool, but is much more than that. It is a vehicle that will carry your compassion and generosity to the people of Israel. A vehicle that will bless and save lives. A vehicle that will bring hope and light in times of darkness to those who are at death's door. The scriptures tell us in Genesis 12 that the Lord spoke to Abraham and said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. Today, as you send this ambulance to bless the nation of Israel, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May you always find help and hope in times of need. May the prayers of thankfulness of those who will be saved abound to your account. And may the Lord repay you for the great kindness and love that you have provided. As many of you know, in this very city, we mourned the great tragedy some four years ago where Jewish lives were taken in hatred, taken because they were descendants of Abraham. Eleven people were killed and six were wounded on that day. It blesses me to stand before you here today in the Pittsburgh area as you send this ambulance to save Jewish lives and the lives of any and all who are in need in the nation of Israel. In one act of hate, 11 lives were lost, but in your act of love, thousands of lives will be saved. So I'd like to extend my heartfelt thanks and appreciation to those who helped sponsor this life support ambulance. Thanks to your kind and thoughtful generosity, Magain Davida Dom will be fully equipped and prepared to treat and save lives. As some of you may know, this past week there was another terrible terrorist attack in the Jordan Valley, which has become, unfortunately, a more frequent occurrence in Israel, as well as to help bring new lives into the world. Indeed, amazingly, in early August, an MDA EMT, think about this, helped deliver a new baby in Ashkelon, which is in the southern part of Israel, while red alert sirens were blaring as hundreds of rockets were being launched from Gaza. As a very small token of our profound gratitude and appreciation, I'm going to present Arlene and Jeff Berg, who spearheaded this wonderful campaign with a beautiful plaque, which reads as follows presented to the people of Israel, lovingly dedicated by the Jewish and Christian communities of 
Pittsburgh and the Friends of the Israel Gospel Ministry. I just wanted to take a moment. Some of you may not be familiar with Magain David Adam, so I just wanted to share some basic facts. MDA is a global leader and innovator in emergency medicine. Its EMS fleet of about 1,200 ambulances, more than 600 metacycles, these are special uh, motorcycles, will get you to the scene of an emergency situation as quickly as possible, and dozens of other emergency vehicles stand ready every day to respond to medical emergencies, small and large, in Israel. They are available to all 9 million-plus Israelis, no matter where one lives or what background one comes from. They're there for everyone. MDA is also responsible, and this is something most people don't know because they know us as the ambulance people, but we're also responsible for and the guardian of Israel's blood supply. MDA collects, tests, processes, and distributes blood to 100% of Israel's citizens and 100% to Israel's defense forces. The current blood center, located just outside of Tel Aviv in Ramat Gan, is unable to meet the needs of Israel's growing population and is vulnerable to biological, chemical, and cyber warfare attack. A new, one-in-a-kind-in-the-world, underground and shielded facility, the Marcus National Blood Services Center, was dedicated in May, and I had the privilege of being there for that, to ensure that in the future, Israel's blood supply is safe and secure. As a member of the International Red Cross, MDA is also a world leader in disaster relief. MDA paramedics travel around the world to provide expertise and professional assistance in the aftermath of natural disasters as well as mass casualty events. Um, the most recent example of which is the work that we've done in re Ukraine where we've sent ambulances as well as paramedics to treat and help people fleeing from the war zone. As you may know, in the Jewish tradition, there's a famous saying that if you save one life, it's like saving an entire world, and that's what you've done. Again, thank you for inviting us to be with you today, and many thanks for your community's extraordinary and thoughtful charity. No gift can be more meaningful and impactful as that, especially at this critical time. When you leave the, uh, today, please pick up a commemorative book in the lobby and check out the ambulance. With that, it's my honor and privilege to present this plaque to the birds. Thank you so much. Thanks for all your help, Richard. <laughs> and thank you who have given to this very, very important project. And um, as we said in the first service, many of you have come into relationship with Jesus where he's totally changed you when you asked him into your heart to be your savior. And that's what happened to me, and that's what happened to Jeff. Not only that, he gave us a great love for his people. We love what he loves and whom he loves. And that's the chesed, the um, love that never leaves. It's everlasting. It's very, it's in, you can't explain it. That's the chesed. And that's where all the covenants come in. God has kept all his covenants. He's been faithful to his people 
all through the years, he's kept his covenants, and we need to thank God that he has because the last covenant he was faithful to also. All the covenants were cut with blood. When Jesus died on the tree, shed his blood for our sins, that was the last covenant. It was cut with blood. Thank God that he kept it because we wouldn't have Jesus. And thank God for his special people, Israel. Anyway, 20, some 20 plus years ago when the Palestinian Intifada was going on, and some of you may not be familiar with that term, but uh, there were a lot of, unfortunately, Palestinian teenagers that grew up and they were taught or brainwashed to be suicide bombers. And they would go into uh, buses, public buses, restaurants, synagogues, you name it. And they would have uh, bombs on their bomb belt. And they would just blow themselves up and everybody with it. And it was going on a daily basis. And people didn't know from day to day when they got on a public bus or children going to school whether they would come home alive. And we would see some of these... Uh, videos, and it just really, really gave us a heavy heart. And we wished, like, boy, how can we help? How can we express this? And um, over a period of time, that burden just grew and grew, and we held Honor Israel Nights at our former church. We took people over to Israel on tours. And then uh, in recent years, uh, a close rabbi, friend uh, gave us the idea. He said, why don't you raise funds for an ambulance? And um, we talked about it and talked about it with the previous church, and that's where it all began. But it's really, it's like a dream come true. And really, uh, we have had a lot of ups and downs, potholes along the way, but when you think of, um, if you're God is giving you a dream, and it's a burden on your heart from him, even when it looks like the door is closed at times. Keep on, uh, just keep on going at it, and uh, he will bring it to pass. And he's brought it to pass today. And again, I think of the birthday gift to Jesus and all those several years of giving to that and people coming up and asking us, how's the ambulance coming along? And now it's so wonderful to actually see it here. And may it be a blessing to many in Israel. Thank you. I want to encourage everyone, get get this. It's a beautiful book. I'll be... I will really enjoy this book. It's got a lot of pictures of Israel. Uh, stop by. They've got pins for you. Really honored to be a part of this project. Let's just pray a prayer of dedication over that ambulance, all right? Father God, we come before you, Lord, and we just ask for you to use that ambulance for your honor and glory. God, it's been our pleasure to join with Jeff and Arlene Berg, with Friends of Israel, uh, to join with the Jewish community to uh, to bring this to fruition, Lord, to send this over to Israel. 
God, we pray you'll use this for many, many years, Lord, that you will uh, allow the people when they receive it to, to just see that little inscription from Pittsburgh. I know that there's people over here that care and love because you loved us, therefore we love them. And so, God, I pray now that you'll help us as we, uh, as we dedicate this today, Lord. We just ask that you'll use this for your honor and glory and do many, many great things with it, Lord. Bring people unto yourself, and we will give you the honor and the glory. In your name we pray. Amen. So as we, uh, as we jumped into this this morning, I've been thinking about the whole ambulance, and I've been, you know, we're so excited that it's finally come. Finally, you know, uh, Jeff and Arlene have been pushing this for six years, and God has finally supplied, and all I can think of is the name of God, Jehovah Jireh. Um, as you look in Scripture, you'll see this name, Jehovah Jireh, means God provides. And so we, we love that. I, I love reading from the Psalms, Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth, uh, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. God is all that we need. He is everything that we need, but He's still our provider. Uh, Psalm 63, 3, Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. So because of who He is, He still is going to be... Uh, his character is going to come through. So even, even he says, you are all I need, but I still meet all your needs. And that's what God does. And so Jehovah Jireh, where does that name come from? I want to give you the little backstory of where this name Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Where did that come from in the scriptures? Well, if you go back to Genesis, start in chapter 1, you'll read in Genesis chapter 1 that God created the heavens and the earth. He puts, uh, he puts humans to rule the earth. The humans are, to, are supposed to live in relationship with God and to live in harmony with God and to rule the earth. Well, sin enters the picture. Rebellion enters the picture. And now we have not only sin and rebellion, but death enters the picture. Violence enters the picture. So, so if you look through Genesis 1 through 11, you'll see all kind of just it keeps going downhill, 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 all the way to the Tower of Babel where God has to scatter the people. And you say, what is God doing? You could ask yourself at that point, what is God going to do? How is God going to come and rescue his people? Well, along comes a guy named Abraham, as Richard shared with you this morning. If you go into Genesis chapter 12, you read about a guy named Abraham. And Abraham, God just chose him. He says, listen, I'm choosing you, and I want you, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. And, and so he, he goes on, he, he gives him this promise, and, uh, and there's just one problem. If you're going to be the father of a great nation, you have to have a son. Well, his wife was barren. And the second thing was they were 75 years old. Now, could you imagine at 75 years old getting the news that you're going to have a baby? I can't even comprehend that. Like at 55, you'd be, wow, that'd be different, wouldn't it? But at, you know, but at 75. And to make matters even more interesting, as you go through and you start reading from Genesis chapter 12 over to 22, you'll see that not only did, uh, did God make that promise, but it took God 25 years to fulfill this promise. 20, now, imagine you're 75 years old. You get this word that you're going to have a baby. You know, could you imagine going home and telling your wife, hey, honey, get ready. And she's waiting and she's waiting and she's laughing hysterically. And for 25 years, and then on your 100th birthday, you get a baby. Could you imagine that? 
100 years old, you get a baby. And so at 100 years old, for your, for your birthday gift, they give you diapers for your baby. Instead, well, maybe you get diapers for yourself. I don't know. But at 100 years old, right? So by this point, Abraham and Sarah, they're both 100 years old. They've got this little baby Isaac, and God kept his promise. Like when you see this, like, you know, it looks like it's down, looks like it's out, but God keeps his promise. And by the time you get to Genesis 22... His family has settled in. This little boy is growing, and he's, he's, he's not just baby anymore. They've settled in, and, they're, and they're, their life is moving on. Genesis 22, verse 1 says this. After these things, so at this point, God comes and says he's testing. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham says, here I am. I, I want you to think about this. When we look at the scriptures, we like to think of the Hesed love. We like to think of that unconditional love. And because that's so true, because without his unconditional love, where would we be? But God was coming to this man, and he was saying, at this point, I'm going to test you. Um, there's, you know, this, this guy has gone through a lot. He's waited 25 years. He finally gets this baby. The little boy's growing. And now, and, and he has been, he's been faithful for the last 25 years since God called him. He says, I will, I will follow you. I trust God. I trust the promises of God. And it seems like every time God calls on him to do something, he's got to leave something good. Like he's going to leave his kid. He's going to, he's going to lose his own child. And look what happens here in Genesis 22 too. He says, Take up your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. And as Moses is writing this to us, he puts this in so you'll pause for a minute. It's the son whom you love. Your only son. You know, when you have a kid, there's no greater bond, is there? I mean, you love that kid. You cry over that kid. You pray over that kid. You want everything to be the best for that kid. You sacrifice everything. You do without so your kid can go with And that's what happens. And he says, Abraham, your son, I want you to take your son and I want you to go to the land of Moriah and I want you to offer him there as a burnt offering on the mountains of which I will tell you. So he says, I want you to head that direction and I will show you the mountain that you're going to do this on. Verse 3, he continues on. Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. And on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. He had a three-day journey. When he gets there, God's going to fine-tune it. I want you to get there. And then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on, his, on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both, on, uh, both of them together. Notice the son is carrying the wood. I want you to think about that. We're going to come back to that later. What significance is that, that the son is carrying the wood? How old would he have to be? Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place that God had told him, Abraham built the altar altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out, reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. 
But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, he be, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket of his, by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place as a substitute instead of his son. Wow. This is why we get this name, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord provides. Verse 24. Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. And as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. He called that place, this is the place the Lord will provide. Some of your translations in English will take that phrase and they put in Jehovah Jireh right there. Um, that's, the, that's the transliteration of the Hebrew name. The Hebrew words there are this, Yahweh Yireh. Yahweh Yireh. And I have put that up there. I've dropped the vowels because in the Jewish, uh, in, in, uh, in the Jewish culture, they will drop the vowels out of reverence for God. This is the highest name for God. So they're saying, the Lord. It's when you see it in the, in the scripture, all caps, L-O-R-D, all caps. This is that name, the Lord, Yahweh. When we were singing this morning, the great I am, I was singing great I am, and then sometimes I'll sing it Yahweh. It doesn't, doesn't flow too well, but that's what it is. That's, that's where we get that, the great I am, Yahweh. That's the same word, Yahweh, Yara. It means this. It means the Lord provides. The Lord will provide. So, so what was going on here? He goes up to this mountain to do this. He's being on a test. God is testing him, the scripture says. And then he says the Lord will provide. And he knows who he is the whole way. The name also gives the sense that the Lord sees. So it has both. The Lord provides and the Lord sees. The Lord foresees. The Lord will see to it. The Lord sees your need and sees to it. So, so God not only knows what's going on in your life, he provides in your life. And so therefore, when you see this name, like Mo, uh, Abraham was going up on the mountain here, and as he's going up on this mountain to sacrifice his own son, he's going up there and he's got a whole lot going on in him. And as we look at this this morning, I'm going to give you three thoughts from Abraham's life here, from, from, this, from this passage here, because God is Jehovah Jireh, because that's who he is, Yahweh Yireh, because he is the Lord that provides, the Lord that sees and provides. I can focus on the promises of God. All right, that's the first point in your notes. Because that's who he is, I can focus on God's promises. Would you say that with me? I can focus on God's promises. Faith is often doing what God says, even when you don't know the details, even when you don't know the particulars. You know, there's a lot of particulars about life. Um, we, we love the plan out life, don't you? Uh, I mean, when you go on a vacation, how many of you actually plan out your vacation? You, you think all the details, right? Yeah, that's kind of normal. I go on vacation. I took my wife up to Erie two weeks ago. She, we got in the car and she says, well, where are we staying? I said, I don't know. She just looked at me. Now, let me tell you, that's not, not the way 
I didn't learn that from premarital counseling. That's not how you do that, right? That's not how you encourage happy, happy days, right? But we were happy. We got up there. We found the cheapest hotel. She was happy, right? So we were, we were all happy by the time we got there. But listen, there's many times you don't know the details. Many times you just know that you're going to Erie. You don't know the details. And that's what God does in your life. God is taking you on a journey. And he says, he's, t- he's telling us, I want you to understand that with faith, you've got to trust me. This was a, a big deal for the life of Abraham. Genesis 12:1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. He says, get in the car. Actually, get on your donkey. <laughs> get on your donkey and keep going. And whenever I tell you to stop, you can get off. Wow. I mean, that's, that's faith, isn't it? It's not like, hey, you're going to move to Georgia. You're going to move to South Carolina. No, it's like, keep going. And when I get there, I will show you. And he goes through and he gives him this blessing. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I will bless those who bless you. And this is, this is the promise of God. So God says, go. Abram says, where? God says, I'll show you. God says, I'll give you a son. Abraham says, how? God says, I'll show you. God says, sacrifice your son. He says, why? He says, I'll show you. Just climb up that mountain. I'll take care of it later. Following God often means doing what God says, even when we don't know all the details. This is why Abraham was confident. Listen, he was confident in his obedience You know why he was confident in his obedience? Because he knew his provider. When you know the Lord, you can easily obey him. If you're struggling with some obedience areas in your life, maybe you don't know him. Maybe you know about him. Many people go to church all their life and don't know him. Like they... Like, get alone, develop this relationship with him, talk to him, pray to him, commune with him. And that's what God's called us to do. And so as we do this, it's fascinating. You look back here and, uh, and you see here, because he knew who was his provider, he knew who he was, he was able to be obedient. Verse, uh, verse 2, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. The land of Moriah, that's like saying, go to the area of Moriah. In the Hebrew, the word land there is kind of like earth, area, ground. It'd be like saying, go to Pittsburgh and find Finleyville. Right? Like, you don't think of Finleyville when you think of Pittsburgh. God says, I want you to go to the land of Moriah. Go to that area, and when you get there, I will tell you which mountain you're going to worship me on. And so when you catch this, here's what happens. We have, God says, I want you to take the first step. You want to know the final destination. We don't know the final destination. God says, take the first step. Why would God reveal more to you if you wouldn't take the first step of what he has already revealed to you? So if God doesn't give you this, I mean, he's giving you this. So he says, take the first step. But you say, I want the next 50 steps. And unless I know all 50 steps, I'm not moving. Well, that's not how God works. God says, I want you to trust me. And this is what was happening here uh, with, with Abraham. He, had to, he went in the general direction that God told him to go. And I want to encourage you. Oftentimes we want the final destination, but we've got to take the first step of faith. Jehovah Jireh, what has he provided for us? He's provided for us his word 
Oh, man, his word. You want to know the will of God? You're going to find it in the word of God. In the word of God, you're going to find the principles. You're going to find the promises. You're going to find the parameters to live by. And it's all right there. So God wants us to, to live by faith, to begin to, to do what he says there. And you obey those things as you understand that this word is from my provider. This is who gave this to me. This isn't, this isn't take it into my own hands and do it. I mean, what if, what if Abraham would have taken this into his own hands? God said, I want you to trust me. Um, verse 4, look at this. Verse 4, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. You'll never see the place from afar if you're not in the right region. You've got to be following God. And as you're following God, you're going to say, okay, I'm, I'm here, God. You're going to lead me. You're going to guide me. You're going to take me to the next step. To, you know, we don't know step 50. We know step one, maybe step two, because we don't have to know the entire plan. You see, because the Lord is my provider, I live by his promises, not by explanations. Now, catch that. That's huge. Most of the time, you don't know why things happened in your life. Isn't that the number one question we ask? Well, why did that happen? What's wrong with me? What is God going to do? I can't understand any of that because God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So the Lord is my provider. I live by his promises. What are his promises? He's promised to love us with an unconditional love. That's an everlasting love, Isaiah says. He has promised to love us in this way. Uh, and, And he's promised that you're his child. If you've opened your heart, you trusted Christ. You're his child. You, 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 get to, you get to be a, a child of God. You're created by him. Look at all the promises. And you open this up and you say, okay, who is this Jesus? Who is this God? And so you come to him and you trust him. And you don't have to have all the explanations. You trust him. We have no right to expect the provision of God if we're not into the will of God and going the direction. God, give me the first step. He won't give me the next step. Number two, God is always faithful. Because he's Jehovah Jireh, I can, I can trust this, that God is always faithful. Would you say that with me? God is always faithful. Man, on 9-11, 2001, God was faithful. The enemy was attacking. But God was faithful. Here we are 21 years later. I'll never forget that very first Sunday coming into worship. Church packed out on that day. People were scared for their dear life. And we were coming and we said, God, you are faithful. God, you have sustained us. God is always faithful. Problems, now let me show you this. Problems are opportunities for God to prove that he's faithful. When you're dealing with a, when you're dealing with a problem, that's when God gets to prove to you that he's faithful. Abraham, uh, Abraham faced the problem. Uh, should he go the way of human understanding? Listen, if I'm a human, you'd say, you're messing with the promise of God. God, you promised me this. I'm going to be a great nation. So you gave me this kid. But he didn't do that. He walked up to the mountain. He said, all right, I'm going to do whatever God says. So God says to do this, and he's about ready to make the sacrifice, and God steps in. It's a three-day journey. Isn't that interesting? It's a three-day journey. Imagine what was going on in his mind for three days. You're walking. I've got to sacrifice my son. Hey, son, carry the wood. Make sure you get it there. All right, just, let's go together. I got the knife. I got this. You got the wood. 
and he's walking, and he's walking, and he's rehearsing over and over again. He says, okay, I'm going to do this. How is God going to be faithful? The author of Hebrews says it like this. Hebrews 11:19 says that he, this is referring to Abraham, considered that God was able to even raise him, raise Isaac from the dead, from which figuratively, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. He said, God is so faithful. God's telling me to do this. He must going to rise my kids up but from the dead. Like, this is so powerful. He trusted the goodness of God because he said, I know that he's my provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is Yahweh Yara. Even if it doesn't make sense now, there's a promise that God is going to fulfill through my son. I don't know what he's doing, but I am going to follow through with God's instructions. To Abraham, God's instructions seemed like they were a contradiction to the promise of God. But he was seeing, he could trust him. Why? Because for 25 years he worked and waited for that promise. For 25 years he walked with God. For 25 years he said, the Lord is my provider. I know who he is. He is Yahweh Yara. If you come to know God as your provider, you'll have the peace that passes all understanding. You see, what happens is whenever God's your provider and, and, and there's things that are going on in your life, you want to manhandle it yourself. Sometimes you have to step back. I said, all right, God, you're going to work this out. God, you're the one who's my provider. You're going to provide for my emotional needs. You're going to provide for my physical needs, for my social needs, for my family needs, physical needs, financial, everything. God is the provider. But here we see that God was providing for Isaac uh, uh, a way out. And I want you to think about this because, because Isaac, it's very interesting. Isaac, in verse 6, says that Isaac carried the wood. How old would you have to be to carry the wood? You see, a traditional, regular reading through this, you say, oh, he killed his little, was going to have to kill his son. And, you know, you read a chapter before or two that his son was born. But the son had grown. The son was walking. The son was carrying the wood. And from the chronological timeline, most scholars believe that, that Isaac at this point was anywhere between the ages of 16 and 34. So what does that tell you about Isaac? If your dad was 110 years old, do you think you could take him down if he was going to kill you? Yeah. You know what Isaac did? Okay, Dad, I don't understand this. Dad, where's the sacrifice? Uh, hang on, let me tie your hands together. It'll be all right. Just lay on top of that wood. Where's the sacrifice, Dad? Dad, what are you doing with that knife? Why would Isaac lay down? Because he learned from his dad the faithfulness of God. And Isaac was too trusting that the Lord is my provider. So here's Isaac laying down on the wood, and God provides a substitute and takes Isaac out, and there's a ram in the woods, in in the thickets, and he puts him in. Abraham said God will provide himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went to worship. The last thought in your notes tonight is this. God, is, God has provided for my eternity. Would you say that with me? God has provided for my eternity. At the end of the day, it's 
the story is, oh, certainly Abraham had great faith. It's a great, listen, you see this great, Abraham is a father of a nation for which we celebrate today. It is also the story of Isaac, but even more than that, it's the story of God. God is the hero. It was all about God's commitment to us because I want you to think about Isaac as he stepped out and then comes that ram. Romans 8.32 says this about Jesus because Jesus, I want you to catch this, Jesus was the lineage of Abraham. Jesus was in the lineage of Isaac. And Jesus came to this earth, lived the perfect life, and he died on the cross. And look what Romans tells us. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. God did not spare his son. Abraham was about ready to take his son. Jesus, the Son of the Most High God, came to this earth and the Father did not spare his own Son. And there's no longer animal sacrifices that will take care of your sin. It's the blood of Jesus that takes care of your sin. How will he not also give, also with him graciously give us all things? And it's through the person of Jesus. I want to share with you this morning the, the, the parallels between Isaac and Jesus. Uh, Isaac and Jesus were both sons of promises. Many promises were given before both of their births. Jesus was prophesied for many years. You go in Isaiah chapter 53 and you'll read these, Isaiah 7, Isaiah 53. You just read these foretellings of the Messiah that would come. They were given many years before the birth. They were both born of miracles Man, you know, could you imagine your parents were 100 years old? How would you like that at middle school, middle school football games, right? Hey, my dad's over there, right? Uh, they were both, uh, and Jesus was born of a, of a, he was born of a virgin birth. Born of a virgin. They were both firstborns and they were both loved by their fathers. Isaac and Jesus both went on a three-day journey to arrive at their place of sacrifice. Interesting. They carried their sacrificial wood on their own back. Man, Isaac carried his wood. Jesus carried a cross. Isaac and Jesus each willingly laid down their lives to their father. Isaac and Jesus each asked a question at the moment they were about to be sacrificed. Jesus on the cross cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Isaac was brought back from the dead figuratively. We just saw that in Hebrews. Jesus was brought back from the dead literally. And you'll find that in Matthew 28. I want you to think about this. Now, this is interesting. The Temple Mount today is the approximate site of Mount Moriah. Interesting, isn't that? The very approximate site. Uh, I believe Moriah means the place where Yahweh sees. It's where Abraham offered, the, uh, offered Isaac as his only son whom he loved. Centuries later, Mount Moriah was the site of the threshing floor of Ornan, uh, which David purchased from Solomon's temple. And nearby, purchased for Solomon's temple, and nearby in another mount of sacrifice known as Golgotha, also called Calvary. Um, it's on the same range as Moriah, but slightly northwest is where Jesus where God the Father offered up his own son, the son whom he loved. And you see this on that same range, right in proximity. 
And God says, let me show you. There's one way. I have taken care of it through Jesus. Look look at this verse here. Romans, the, the next verse from Ephesians, I'm sorry. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when our sin was separating us from God, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace you have been saved. That's it. It's the grace of God. Continuing on, verse 6. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, that's us, we're in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. And when I get to heaven, I won't be able to say, Lord, look what I did. Because Jesus paid the price. And I want to share with you, Yahweh Yara. He paid the price. He supplies. Not only did he supply funds for an ambulance. That's pretty exciting, isn't it? And I know your six years was not like the 25 years that Abraham went through, was it? But it seemed like it because you had a pandemic in the middle of it. But let me tell you, God provides. He provides. And I want you to know him because when you know him, you obey him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. As we prepare to sing our closing song this morning, I want to invite you to just call upon the name of the Lord. Scriptures tell us, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. And I want to invite you today to do that. Just, just pray something like this. Dear God, I need you. My sin has separated me from a holy God. But you sent your son, Jesus, to be my substitute on that cross. He paid the price of my sin. He came back to life again. And God, I trust you right now. I place my heart and soul, and I just ask you now to come into my heart right now, With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, maybe you're struggling. You've been following the Lord for many years, but but you've been struggling right now. Maybe there's some details that you don't know. Maybe there's things that look like it's tragic, it looks bad, it looks ugly. Maybe there's just some things you're not sure of right now. I want you to know there's something that you can be sure of. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. Yahweh Yireh. Lord, I pray you put your hand upon each one of us. Lord, use these words, your holy scriptures that we have shared today. Use them and transform us from the inside out, God. May these words ring in our hearts and our souls for days to come. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand as we sing our closing song. I want to encourage you to stop by their table out there. Get, get these books. They've got some great pins that I'm wearing one of as well. And uh, I just want to encourage you to, uh, let's encourage Richard Zellin and, and the, uh, the Red Cross of Israel. <laughs> all right. God bless.